today that we can come and worship you in spirit and in truth. We recognize our worship experience is not on a Sunday morning, but our worship experience is every day that we live as we worship you in spirit and in truth. Now, Lord, I pray for every aspect of this service that your hand would be upon it. May God's people be revived today as we continue to worship and listen to your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. We want to welcome you this morning. If you are visiting with us, we give you a warm welcome to Emmanuel Pentecostal Church. And we're so glad that you have gathered in with us. Uh, a couple of announcements that we need to share. As we shared last Sunday during the funeral here on Tuesday past, our 60 plus is moved to this Tuesday. So we want you all to come out, invite your friends and your neighbors. We encourage our church people to come, as many from our community will come on Tuesday for our new meal together, 60 plus. And this week, our church will be open for uh, prayer meetings as we're looking towards our upcoming camp meetings. We encourage as many as possible to fast a new meal to join us here at the sanctuary from 12 to 1 each day. Saturday will be the wedding ceremony of Megan Haiti and Justin McKenzie. Let's pray for them as they're united in marriage on Saturday. Friday evening is the Fall Festival of Favorites at the Salvation Army. Please bring along a non-perishable item for the food bank. There are a number of announcements in your bulletin. We know you're going to read and adhere to them. We thank all our congregation for their support and for the funerals that we had this past week. And may God bless you for your support of the families. Today is Mission Sunday throughout the Pentecostal Assemblies of Newfoundland and Labrador. We're pleased today to have Pastor Dave Williams with us. Of course, he's one of your own and spends a few months of the year here in our own church. And uh, we're so privileged to have him share with us this morning. But before uh, we move any further to the service, we're going to write the Lord's tithes and your offerings. We thank you for your faithful giving, and we would encourage you to continue to support the work of missions, and God will bless you as you support the work of missions. We're going to stand as we sing together, and there's a call comes ringing on the restless waves. We want you to be reminded of our camp meetings that will be happening, not this week coming, but the next. Please have two evangelists with us, as well as Pastor Jeremy Mitchell. We'll be sharing a Bible study on Wednesday to Friday mornings here at the sanctuary. You're going to want and to attend that as well. Let's stand as we the Lord's eyes and their
thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ died on the cross, shed his blood. You may have eternal life and salvation. He is worthy of our worship and praise today. The Bible tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness for our sins. I thank God for shedding his blood today.
us a prayer today. We want to pray for Dylan Charlie, Walter Stuckers, Morgan Dylan Elvin Osborne, and Duncan Nichols. I believe the only way you can love me that God can touch them where they are today. I believe God can touch them where they are today. Because he is indeed the way maker. He can do the impossible. He can do exceedingly abundantly of all that we ask or think. There are those of you sitting in this congregation today, you need the Lord to do something powerful in your life. You need the Lord to make a way for you. I believe that he can do that for you today. If that's you, would you just in your own way right now, just turn your attention to God. Would you allow faith to arise in your heart? Believe that the Lord can do the impossible in your life. The Lord can meet your need. The Lord can turn your life around. The Lord can turn that situation around. Father, we come before you today. We thank you, Lord, for your presence that is here in this house. And Lord, we pray for these people today that are looking our way for prayer. We pray, Lord, for those that need healing today. We pray, Father, that you would touch them. The Lord, you are doing the lives that only you can do. That supernaturally by your power right now, that you go to where they are, and that you bring healing and restoration to their bodies. Lord, all for the glory of your name. And for your people, Lord, that are gathered in this place today, some going through heavy struggles, some going through difficult situations, and some, Lord, may feel, Lord, that they're going to be in this situation or circumstance forever. May you come even now. And, Lord, do a work in your life. And prove, O oh Lord, that you are indeed the way, man. The Lord, that you are your promise keeper. That you can do it exceedingly abundantly. That, Lord, nothing is impossible with you. Lord, will you come and minister by your power and for your glory, even now, O oh God. We ask these things in your name. Everyone say Amen. 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 good it is to feel the presence of the Lord in this service. Amen. I have, but before we highlight our Sunday school star, I have some announcements regarding the single moms ministry. Uh, first of all, we want to highlight Paula Grace today and thank her for her ministry to the single moms team. She's decided to step aside and she's served many years in this ministry. So we want to thank you. Can we bring our hands together? church ministries and we thank her for her work in the past years. I neglected to put in the bulletin that we are collecting winter hats, coats, boots, mittens, gloves, snowsuits, all these winter things that we need. So if you have some things at home, it doesn't matter what size it is, you can bring it to the church. And uh, right now we're just accepting winter things because we don't have anywhere really to store it. Um, so if you could bring that in, we'd really appreciate you helping out our single moms in this area. We're pleased to announce that Shoppers Drug Mart is partnering with the church to help fund this ministry, and they've done that for the past few years. So when you go to Shoppers Drug Mart and they ask if you want to, you buy your pack of batteries or you buy your chocolate bar or whatever you're buying, and they ask if you want to donate to single moms, that is actually our ministry that they are helping fund. So we are so thankful to them for doing that. If you want to run over within the next four
four weeks, they'll be collecting for this ministry and help by supporting and donating. And we will bless you for that. We have a new Sunday school star. Come on up, Aunt Terry. Oxford. 
Did you let you start school? <laughs> cool. All right. This means you had like a long extended weekend. That's always fun. No doubt. Yes. You don't like school. Well, guess what? You got a lot of years ahead of you yet. So you might as well learn to play. All right. That's all the advice I can give you. You have to learn to like it. I am sure there are many things about school that we love. We love going with our friends, right? We love learning new things. We are going to pray, so I need you all to bow your head and close your eyes before you go to children's church. Dear Jesus, thank you for boys and girls that come to church, and I pray now that you would protect them, oh God. I pray that you would cover their lives with your blessings and with your grace. And Father, I pray they will know the love of God as they grow older. I pray the truths of the gospel that are taught in this church will become alive in their hearts. We commit their families to you, and we thank you for each one of them. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Out by the door, and I'll give you all something special. Good idea? Amen. I just love children's time in church. Do you? And it's not a waste of time by any means because we are investing in the lives of children. We're so thankful. Today is the importance of this church. We're so glad today to have Pastor Dave Williams with us. Of course, he's no stranger to you. He entered the ministry from Emmanuel Pentecostal Church and has been uh, going on 33 years in Thailand as a missionary. And of course, we usually have him worshiping with us for a few months of the year. And uh, he's been holding down for a while and uh, part of our congregation. He's been such a support and a strength to his pastors. We appreciate it. Just soon be returning after this winter to Thailand. Bring your hands together with you as he comes to share. understand what that's all about. 
and four involuntary missionaries. This message this morning was obviously it was I thought about it, I prayed about it, and I, I just last night I was midnight Joyce are you gonna go to bed? Are you gonna go to bed? And I was still going through it in my mind and thinking about it this morning again and just going over in my mind. I said, Lord, I want to speak to the congregation. I want to speak to the hearts and the minds of the people. I want to speak to people who are in the fire. Those of you, you would know immediately if you are in the fire, if something's going on in your lives this day. I have to speak to you first before I tell what I want to tell. My stories, where we've been. But it's important today that God touch you where you are. It's important that God minister to you where you are. Because some of you are presently in the fire. Now most of us, when we go out as missionaries, we present ourselves and say we have the call to go into missions. Two or three years ago I preached here and I preached on Jonah. Jonah was, well we could say, a reluctant missionary. God had to push him around a bit and make him seasick. All kinds of stuff before he would agree to go. But these guys here, we have now the king of Babylon coming into Judah and Jerusalem, sacking the city, taking what he wanted, and taking 4,600 people captive that he's going to take back to Babylon. And in amongst them were four young men. These four young men, they had names, that were given by their parents and obviously they had something in mind but God had another plan there was something that was going to come to pass in amongst these young men being taken into captive there was a messianic message going to be tied into it there was going to be a majestic message Nebuchadnezzar thought that he was going to have a majestic image put out in the plains but God had another message there's also a missional message. First of all, we see where Nebuchadnezzar came in, they sacked the city. Many of the prized young inhabitants were taken away. They were taken back to Babylon, including Daniel, who was given the name Belteshazzar. Hananiah, he became Shadrach. Mishael, who became Meshach. And Azariah, who became Abednego. These were young men without blemish. These were young men that were well favored. They were skillful, skillful in wisdom, cunning in knowledge, understanding the sciences, able to stand in the king's court and gifted in language acquisition. But when they were home with mom and home with dad, they were given names. Daniel, it means God is my judge. Be truthful. Hananiah, God is gracious. Mission, who is like God? Who is like our God? Azariah, God helps. Now one of the things that the Babylonian king felt required to do, I'm going to change their names. I'm going to change their names from who they think they are to who I want them to be. And as a side note this morning, I want to caution you. The devil wants to change your name. The devil 
wants to take you and sift you as wheat. So nothing's left over, only pebbles and stones and dirt. When the devil is finished with you, if you go down his pathway, if you go down his road, you will find that he has sifted you as wheat and there's not much good that's going to be left. He wants to change your names. Make them more like us. Nebuchadnezzar, they will follow the Babylonian gods. Daniel became Belteshazzar, meaning that Bel, protect the king. And Bel was a Babylonian god. Hananiah and Shadrach, meaning under the command of Abu, a Babylonian god. Mishael to Meshach, the Babylonian moon god Abu. Azariah, Abednego, Babylonian god of wisdom. But Daniel purposed in his heart. I need to, I need to encourage you. I almost need to warn you. You have to purpose in your heart that you're going to walk after God. It just doesn't happen. You roll out of bed, you find the floor, and you say, now where's this thing going to take me? Folks, it's not like that. We have to purpose in our hearts that we are going to walk with God. Young man, young woman, boys, girls, I want to encourage you, moms, dads, grandmas and grandpas, and great-grandpas and great-grandmas, yes, I want to encourage you, purpose in your heart that you are going to walk with God. The devil would like to take you, sift you out with nothing left, and then, okay, where do you throw garbage? In the garbage dump. That's what the devil wants to do. He said, we can't eat the king's meat. We're not going to take his delicacies. After ten days, the complexion was fair and they were fatter than others. The king inquired of them in all manners of wisdom and understanding. Now, I have a passage that I want to read with you this morning as the text. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. Daniel has this beautiful vision of something that's out there. It's messianic. Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall never pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. Brothers and sisters, God has a plan, and that plan is in force right now this day. I listened to your pastor pray a few Sundays ago. And he said, God, there are people waking up down in the South Seas and starting to come together to worship God in the Pacific Ocean, in the South Seas, into Australia, and then over to Japan, and all across the nations of the world. And we move right across this earth and across the continent of Asia and Europe and Africa and come on into North America and go right on back around to the Pacific Ocean and the Hawaiian Islands again. 
There's a multitude of people today that God has called out and he's put his image on them. He's put his stamp on them. He's put a seal in their hearts that they are his and his alone. And today you are part of this 2.4 billion people that on this Lord's day around the world, a huge number of these 2.4 billion people will worship God. A great army of nations. Inquired of them in all matters of wisdom. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, he became troubled. Oh my goodness, I'm having nightmares. Things are happening. Folks, don't be surprised if the ungodly, those who bow down to other gods, those who do not serve God, don't be surprised if they start to have dreams and visions and they come to you and ask you to interpret them. It just might happen. Not sure if I told you the story about a young man that's working with us in Laos. It's all part of the undercover operation that we're doing. He's not a believer. He's a Buddhist man. And he calls me Ajahn Vedan. Or Professor Vedan or teacher. Ajahn Vedan. I need to ask you something. A few nights ago, I was in my room. I thought I was asleep. Somebody came and he stood in my room. He stood down by the foot of my bed. I'll call him Joe for today's sake. I said, Ed, were you afraid? He said, no. He brought great peace into my room. And I said, what did he look like? He said he was in a white, shiny robe that ran right from his shoulders right to his ankles. And I said, what did he do? He said, he came over and he touched me on the head. I said, were you afraid? He said, no. I said, who do you think it was? He said, I think it was your God. Something went through. Yeah, Folks, you want to see somebody do a jerk or dance on the inside? I couldn't do it because I'm standing in the presence of other people. But I felt something just come on fire inside here. Yes, Our God stepped into the midst of it. And he reminds me. I said, what do you think? I said, what did he say? He said, he didn't say anything. He said, he just brought peace in me. Praise God. Folks. Our God can bring peace into the midst of your storm where you are right now. I don't know what your anguish of heart is. I don't know what's hurting inside you. I don't know what's tearing you apart this morning. I don't know what's tearing your life apart or tearing your family apart. But I'm telling you, our God can step into the situation and He can bring peace into the midst of us. As Joe, you got to tell me something. What do you think that means? He said, I think he wants me to know him. Would to God that we would 
send his mighty warrior angels bringing yes, the mix of our lungs right into the doors. This week I pray that God would send a mighty warrior angel to one of my friends, one of my cousins, that he would go and stand on his doorstep and wait for him to open the door and invite him in. And I'm asking you this morning, pray that prayer with me, that God will send a mighty warrior angel to go and stand in the midst of the situation we find ourselves. It's not always easy. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream of a great image with a head of gold, his chest and arms of silver, his belly and thighs were of bronze, his legs of iron, his feet partly of iron, partly of clay. Now what's all of this, this big image? First, the head of gold. Daniel was supposed to go and tell him what it meant. He looks for somebody. He noticed that his own people couldn't give him the answers that was needed. I'm telling you, the world did not have the answers for their own. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have the power of God unto salvation. And Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And folks, I have to tell you, that the world is looking for answers. They're seeking for answers, but they cannot find it amongst themselves. He called up the boys and he says, Is there anyone here can interpret the dream? He called his own, all the soothsayers, all those who can interpret the dream. Can you find somebody who will interpret? I'm going crazy with all this stuff in my mind. Boy, oh, yeah, there's a guy out there, he, 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 he understands dreams. Now, if we could think in the natural, we could say to ourselves, now it's time for Daniel. Now, why is it? I got a rip right on him. No time for spiritual pride, folks. Be very careful how you handle the gift of God. When God gives you something, be careful that you do not let spiritual pride enter in. Daniel comes and says, Oh boy, you've taken us captive. Now it's payday. Maybe boy, God is going to knock your head off. No. He held his peace. He went in and Nebuchadnezzar. This is what it's all about. The head of gold is the Babylonian Empire. That's you, Nebuchadnezzar. He bowed before him and he worshipped him. He gave him honor. The arms and silver is the Persian Empire, the belly of the fire is bronze, Greek Empire under Alexander, legs of iron, the Roman Empire under the Caesars, its feet of iron, partly of iron and partly of clay, the being of nations, half strong, half weak. But right down the bottom, it says something very unique. You can't read it here. Not big enough. But it was another part of the dream. There was a stone that was cut out of the mountain, not cut with man's hands. And that stone came rolling down out of this great mountain. And it came crashing down and hit the feet of iron and clay and smashed it to bits. 
This is the messianic message. There is one going to come in AD 33, approximately. There was a sinless son of God who was walked through the streets of Jerusalem and up to Bethlehem's hill. And he was crucified. And God initiated and implemented the kingdom of our God. And our God reigns. And that God, that stone that came down, it was a messianic message pointing to the kingdom of our God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw the stone coming crashing down. It was cut without hands. It struck the feet of the iron in the clay and smashed it to pieces. And this old mountain is going to fill the earth. I said a moment ago, prepared for the pastor pray. The old earth is filled with this glory. If people would open their hearts and their minds, they would see it. Isaiah 28 and 16, I lay, as, I lay in Zion for a foundation, so a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation that speaks of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Matthew 21 42, the stone which the builders rejected becomes the chief cornerstone. Ephesians 2 and 20, Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone of the church. In Revelation 1 and 6, he has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him glory and dominion forever and ever. Besides the messianic message, there's also a majestic message. Nebuchadnezzar thought he was going to have the most majestic image built out in the plains of Duma. I'm going to set up a 90 foot high golden idol image and everybody in the land is going to come and bow down. Nebuchadnezzar thought it was quite majestic. Great image. See it for a long, long ways away. Everyone's called to come and bow down to worship him. But here are these three of the involuntary missionaries. They're standing up in the middle of the crowd. Now, if folks back then, they didn't have much patience with you. They rolled off their neck, jumped off their head, or they threw you into a fiery furnace. Not much patience. And here are these three boys. They were just on their high teens, possibly into 19, 20 years of age by then. Nebuchadnezzar thought that it was pretty good. Look what I've got. Then you got those three fine young rascals. They're not willing to bow down. Not before the king. They declare their allegiance to the God of heaven. Our God is able to deliver us. Yeah. But this is the part that really strikes me. And it's a faith builder for me. But if not, we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image you have set up. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, the enemy of your soul wants you to bow down to the gods of this world. The enemy of your soul wants you to come and spend time with him and honor him, do the things that he has, and he's going to try to just cause your life to be reduced down to nothing. But you need to take steps. Even if God does not deliver me, I will not bow. Job said, Though he slay me, what? 
yet will I solve it. Yes, some of us are going to die an untimely death. But I'm going to say, hold the faith. Hold the faith. Don't let the circumstances of life and death alter who you are in God. <coughs> Nebuchadnezzar is filled with rage and fury, commanded that they be bound and thrown into the fiery furnace. The king is astonished. Didn't we throw three men into the fire? There are now four men in the fire. I remember when I was in Sunday school, just a little boy, I can remember so well that when I would sit on the front pew, my feet didn't touch the floor. Now that's hard to believe for a guy six foot one, but you know, I was small, but it astounded me. Here I am, I watch our sister this morning with those little ones, and I'm saying, bless them. As looks over at me, and I'm saying, bless them, Lord. Let the truth of the Word of God get rooted deep down in their hearts when they're small and they're young. Four men in the fire. These young men remember the teachings of the prophet Isaiah. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Exodus 24 and 17, the sight of the Lord was like a consuming fire. Hebrews 29, uh, 12 and 29, our God is a consuming fire. Now, I just want to pause here for a moment because there's an interpretation here that I, I, I want you to understand. Consuming doesn't mean destroying. Consuming means burning up that which is not pure, righteous, and holy. And I have to tell you, folks, when the voice of God speaks in a very still, small voice, or with a voice of thunder into your heart, maybe he's trying to do some consuming. Maybe he's trying to burn up some of that which is not like him. Folks, I don't like it when the heat gets turned up. I don't like it when God takes a pastor and he puts his finger right smack down on something that, ooh, how do you know about that? Our God is a consuming fire. It comes to refine. It brings warmth. It brings light into our lives. Fourth night in the fire, who is he? It's part of the messianic message. It's part of this majesty, majestic message of our God. He looks like the Son of God. Some people interpret it as the, the Son of God. Others interpret it as a, an angel of God. Some people call it a, a theophany, which is the appearance of God in the midst of his people, or a Christophany, the appearance of Christ in the midst of his people. Either way you interpret it, God showed up. God showed up, and God delivered them out of the fire and raised them up. I want to just pause here for a moment to tell you a story that caused my heart to quake and caused my stomach to, I don't know if you would say boil or royal or, oh, it was tough. A few years ago, my wife and I were asked if we would go down to the city of Chokri. It's on the southeast coast of Thailand. And it, is, it has a reputation of the largest container port in Thailand. It's just down the street, down the road, of, uh, just a few kilometers. And it is classified as the, one of the, the growing places in the, in the country. And the pastor 
said to me, the general superintendent of the Full Gospel Center of Thailand, he said, Pastor David, would you and Joyce be willing to go to Chumbury and be the first resident pastors for a new church plant that we're working on? I said, do they have a pastor right now? No. We just had some guys going in and having Bible study and prayer. But they would like to have a full-on service church and have a resident pastor. I said, well, I'm a church pastor. That's what I do. I said, so what would you like me to do? He said, we want you to go in there and rent a building, get a building, and, and just start off. We had 37 people to start off with, and we're going to grow from there. And possibly after a while, when we get up to 55 or 60, we would get another uh, place in the wall, hole in the wall, we would call it, and rent that place, and then we would move on. I said, I have one question. Why are you asking me to go to the city and you're not sending a Thai pastor, a Thailand pastor? Oh, um, well, actually, it's the mafia capital of, of Thailand. <laughs> Immediately, it crossed my mind. A lamb went to slaughter. As it crossed my mind. Can't deny it. Well, what, do you, what do you mean to say you're sending me here, but you're not going to send me? He said, well, they may treat you better. He said, because if we go in there, they'll run us out of town. Because they control all the container ports that goes on in there. They can, there's the police, the politicians, the pimps, and the prostitutes. That's the four P's they, they put together in that area. And they're all working together, and that's where they generate all kinds of wealth. It wasn't a strange thing every other week to hear that somebody in the back of a pickup truck took an AK-47 fully automatic, pulls up to a stoplight, and just when the light was turning green, they just unload a full magazine right into this car or the other vehicle. They're taking out somebody else. And then the pickup truck just goes, and they can't catch it because everything's stalled up because of what just went on. I said to Joyce, I said, how do you feel about this? She said, well, you know, said, yes, I guess we've got to go, but we need the good prayer covering. So we prayed and we asked God to be with us. And when we drove in the city, we could feel the darkness come down around us. We could feel the darkness descend upon us. And folks, it was like driving into almost like a smothering type atmosphere. There was a spiritual, demonic, there was always a principality and a power over that city. So we got in, we started, started out in services, nobody bothered us. We rented a little place, a whole wall, and got things going. And, you know, we went from 26 up to 37, we got to 37, we went and rented another little building. And this was coming along pretty good. I mean, people were coming to the Lord. We were quite excited. The church was growing. And then before very long, we were up close to 100, and met with the church board. And I said, you know, what do you, what do you think about purchasing a piece of land? And, and you know, then we will see how we can pursue it. So, we went in and they agreed, purchased a piece of land. Joyce can do architecture. She's not uh, qualified as an architect, but Joyce knows how to put together designs and plans. And she, she drafted up plans for a, a church building that would house and seat 350 people. And went presented to the city engineers, city engineers looked at it and goes, wow, who did this? And I said, she did. I said, she can do this better than I can. And he 
said, well, if what we do, we'll, uh, we'll drag this into the uh, official blueprints and write jargon and the Thai language and give you a permit to go ahead. So I said to the church board, I said, so uh, what do you think? Well, it's time to go start backfilling the land. And uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things when you get a horse before the cart and say, oops, I forgot about the church budget. How are you going to build this place? So I said, let's, let's go over and get the land ready. Because I'm going to take it to a step at a time, a step because the land is bought and paid for. And it was about uh, almost an acre and a half of land. And it's down close to the ocean, down where the mangrove forest used to be, and got all uh, cleared off. And, and now there was a nice, uh, solid uh, type foundation that you can actually drive a car or pick a truck in and it make a difference. We drove down there many times and walked around the prayer walk and praised God over that and, and just claimed it for God. And so we got in and make a long story short, we contacted a, um, a company that does backfilling, the big dump trucks that would come in and backfill the land for us. And I got up there with, uh, you can laugh if you understand this better than most, but I, I wanted to figure out how a transit worked. I didn't have a transit. So I took a level, I put it on the street, and I made sure the level was completely level as I spun it around. I spun it around completely level. And I put two, three and a half inch nails, one in there and one right here. And I said, now you go right to the back corner and I'm going to sight you in and tell you where the land got to be level back there. And then I took this and I went over that corner and I put it there on that corner and I said, it got to be back filled this high. And I spun it around until I got to this corner. And I had markers, sticks in the ground with black felt marker. This one's a little shallower and it's 1.2 meters had to be back for the entire area. Got this company to come back for the forest. He says, what's it going to take? I said, 120 loads and six tons a dump truck, because I knew what the yard measurement was. So this guy, he starts coming. And he got 15, almost 20 truck loads of fill open on the church land. All of a sudden, two vehicles turn up. The men in black got out of the truck. <clears throat> what are you doing here? Backfilling the church property. We're going to build a Christian temple. And that's what's going here. And people who are Christians in this area, those who want to become Christians, they're going to come here and worship. Uh, he said, no, 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 you have to stop. I said, are you government officials? He said, no. He said, we own the roads in this town. And I said, you, you own the roads? I said, I thought road, roads were public property and anybody could drive around. And you see, sometimes it's better to be dumb. Sometimes it's just better to be a little foolish and not, not understand everything. He said, um, this main road that you're coming down here, he said, those up trucks. He said, I noticed that their trucks are only at full. He says, but uh, he said, you've got to pay a certain fee in order to drive the trucks down on this road. I said, I got nothing to do with me. That guy took a contract. He wants to pay something. He pay something. I said, I got no money to pay you. He said, you don't understand. He said, we own these roads. He said, no more trucks coming here until you pay fees. Extortion. The mafia. And I said, oh. It took a little while for clicking, but eventually got there. And I look at him and I said, well, I don't have any more money. He said, well, we have one solution for you. You cancel your contract with this guy, and we'll take over the contract. He said, how many loads? I said, 120 loads. That's what we'll fill it up. He said, 
cancel your contract. I said, I can't cancel it. I got a contract. I said, you better go tell that guy you got canceled your contract. I said, I, I don't want to cancel it. He said, we'll take care of that. So he went out, got the contract canceled. I paid the guy for the 20 loads that he brought. And I said, okay, we're starting off. We're going to minus 20 loads off of that. So you're going to bring him 100 loads to fill. Agreed. But see, what they were going to do, they were going to load the trucks up twice as much, not six tons, but they were going to put 12 tons to 16 tons of load, and they were going to break down and only half the time, half the trips, and they were going to make the same amount of money. And he says, okay. I said, but the contract is, uh, I'm just going to let you guys go do it. How many more loads? And I said, whatever it takes to fill it up now. I said, That's, he said, okay. We will backfill this until it's finished. I said, so I don't pay you any money until it's completely backfilled. He said, that is right. So they come in and they're coming in over, backfilling, and four, five, six, they were starting to put fill on top of the other guy's fill. But eventually, they get down where the, was just the, the original ground. And he backed his truck in, and they backed it in, and they got right out in the middle, and all of a sudden, this truck that was loaded, peaked right up on top of the fill. It started sinking. The earth started giving way. And I'm a small truck. And <clears throat> apparently, the top surface was hard enough for cars and pickup trucks and the six ton load to go in over it. No problem. These guys got in, and I said, Oh, Lord, I'm not sure if this is good or bad. But anyway, they got the contractor want to finish it. And they had the truck was in so far they couldn't raise the dump. They had to get two more trucks out and try to pull it up. And folks, I have to tell you, when the truck started to sink, this gooey, almost like quick mud, started to come up around people and flood off on the ground. It was like liquefaction foam. Start to flow all over the ground. And now it's only this thick. And they put some more in. They start filling up the hole. And they put some more in. And as fast as they put in, all this mud and goo was just goes. And they poured some more in. Finally, after about 35 loads, they says, we're not making any anyway. We got to renegotiate the contract. And I looked at him and said, no, I'm sorry, I don't have any more money. That's I told you, you took the contract. I said, no, you got it. And I said, you got to finish it. He said, my boss wants to talk to you. I said, got to finish the contract. So I talked to your boss later. He said, we need some money now. I said, no, I'm sorry, I can't give you any money until the contract's finished. That's what it is. <laughs> Aren't you afraid? And I said, afraid of what? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes okay to be a little bit naive. Finally, they kept putting it in and putting it in. But they thought they were going to get off with 100 loads. They had to put in almost 200 loads. And we had that whole solid foundation to build a church on. Because if they didn't do it, we would have had to do it. And we poured it in. And they poured it in. And the guy said, you got to come to see my boss. And I said, who's your boss? He said, you don't know who my boss is? I said, no, sir. I don't know who your boss is. Well, when I went up and sat in his room, and 11 of his deputies were sitting around, and they said, uh, Mr. Williams, he said, we understand. He said that um, this is an unfair deal. I said, I didn't ask for it. <laughs> huh? I said, no, I didn't ask for it. I said, I was quite willing to pay the first guy. I said, you're the guy who shouldered in and took this. 
He said, you know who I am, do I? I said, now I know who you are, because I saw his paper in the newspaper. Paper, he was the Mafia Godfather. Oh, boy, I'm thinking. Oh, I didn't wear a pamper today. That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> and it hit me. Oh, boy, I'm in trouble. And what he said to me, he said, we want to pay cash. I said, no, I can't pay cash. I said, I have to have it signed with your company name on it, the check from the church with your company name. I said, so that there's no questions after you think, come back, claim, and try to extort from me. More money, more money. And I said, no, it has to be legal, it has to be written. He says, you really don't understand who you're talking to, do I said, I just heard my name. I feel back in my hair. All crippled in the back. I said, Lord, whispered in my heart, Lord, I need a word. I need a word from the Lord. Lord, I need a word of wisdom. I said, gentlemen, and just like that, God broke right my heart. Gentlemen, we are all men in this room. That place that we're going to build on that site down there is to worship the most high God. We are going to bring people into that building. We call it, a in their language, as a Christian temple. And we're going to build this place. And we are going to exalt the Lord of glory, the Holy One of God. And we're going to exalt Him and praise Him. And I just want you to know, the breath that you are now breathing, my God holds it in His hands. Let me see if I can find it. He said, you tricked us. You knew it would take more to do. You have to pay me. Are you afraid? And in my heart, saying, just do it. <laughs> Silently asked God for a word. And immediately, I saw the little change among the necks. And it was all full of little mini gods that were attached to it. And the most important god, the ambulance, was hanging in the bottom. And when I said to him, God holds the breath that you breathe in his hands. It's found in Daniel chapter 5 and verse 23b, I believe. This guy just goes like this. When the big guy goes like this, he grabs his God in his hand like this. And then the rest of them grabs theirs. And here you got 12 people in the room, 11 deputies in the man. And they're all holding on to the God like this. And I said, just remember that God that I serve holds your breath in his hands and he can take it anytime he wants. Subsequent to that, I paid the check, paid the full amount, the exact amount that was agreed upon, and I bid them good day and I went to come. Folks, shortly thereafter, there was big news in the nation of Thailand. <coughs> there was a wedding that was going on. And the godfather was invited to sit at the head of the table. The godfather and six of his deputies were called in to come and sit and be part of it. Well, during the course of the dinner, two guys on motorcycles just came up to the door, they had their black helmets on, and that's their, their gloves on. And somebody thought that initially they thought it was a skip or part of his bodyguard team. They pulled right up, they ran right up to his table, and they came right up on the side of him, and they 
outside the jacket like this, and they the semi-automatic pistols. And they shot six of them dead right in the wedding room. That's the same man that I said, my God holds your bread in his hands. They found out later that another mafia god father was trying to come in and take over. Subsequently, he was caught and put in jail, and last year, he died in prison. Folks, I have faith in my God. He can do what is required. There's a majestic message. Nebuchadnezzar thought that this is going to be something we're going to build out in the, the missional message. Daniel also saw the vision of the ancient days sitting upon his throne. One like the Son of Man appeared before the ancient days, and then it says, then was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall never be destroyed. Yeah. Now I'm going to take you for just another few minutes, because we're going to have communion service. And folks, please, I want you to participate in the Holy Communion with us. And we're going to have a prayer time. I already talked to the pastor. We're going to have a prayer time after the communion this morning. But I want to take you on a, a short journey. You see, India, we are presently in India with the Telugu School of Ministry. And I'm asking you, if God lays it on your heart, you want to be a participant with that, folks, please contact us. Contact your pastor. It's They're struggling right now. We're struggling get through all of what's necessary there and we want to have a leadership training center raised up there for the glory of God. Also in Laos, in the middle there, you see it, and that's where we have the Bible school. I'm going to take you and show you. Last year I talked a little bit about this picture. I actually showed it to you last summer and this is only four or five pictures. Just give you a brief review so you can see. This is the size of the building and the, the pastors that will teach here, the, uh, the Bible school students and the Bible school teachers that will teach here, they are actually trained in Bangkok, and right now we have another 10 that's worshiping in the master's program. The building continued to go up. It was beautiful, and right here when we got this far, we were struggling, and we had a, had a bit of a difficult task because it was one of those things when you get a building two-thirds done and you run out of, out of money. And Pastor David, that's the name we use for him, part of the undercover church. He said, Pastor David, what can you do? And I said, what, what, what's the situation? He said, well, we got the roof on, we got the walls up, but we need to put windows and doors in, we need to get some flooring in. I said, how much? He said, 57,000 US dollars. That's about 70, roughly 70,000 Canadian. Choice went into our accounts. They were pretty well empty. None left. Folks, almost everything we do over we have to pray through. We don't have any backing from any fellowship that's supporting us. We take it, take it to God, and we pray. And, you know, there's a bit of human nature that comes through. I don't want you to think that we're super spiritual. We're just ordinary people that take a step of faith sometimes. So we had this building design. And the roof is going on, and the galvanized trust because tropical country. Joyce and I went up there to see what was left. And this 
this hit me really hard to have a, have a building and a property because the Bible says that he who builds a building doesn't he sit down and count the cosmos. Well, I count the cost, but I believe that God is going to provide. And step by step, the land that was given to us, then the building went up and foundation, and this particular time, I have to tell you, we were, both Joyce and I were in a dark place. We didn't have any of our own resources left. Everything was given out. Joyce quit taking the salary. I cut two months' salary out this year, and we just said, Lord, it's your work, it's got to go ahead. And you know, the human nature side of us is, let me give some advice and call them dearly. Boy, I thought of you. I thought of you. I thought of your dreams. I did. And I said, oh, you get two or three guys, sit down, just write a check and cover that. And God seemed to put a stop. Don't ask him. Wait and see the whole thing. So I didn't call them. I didn't call our church out in the prairies where Pastor Peter Grimes. And by the way, Pastor Peter Grimes and, and Pastor Joan sent the warmest, warmest greetings and best regards to all of you who were with them at Sunday for last. And I felt that even to ask some of them, I said, Lord, no, I'm not going to do it right now. We went to Bangkok, went into our office, phone rings, and it's this gentleman on the phone. Hello? Yes? Are you uh, Reverend Vaden Williams? Yes? I'm Vaden Williams. He says, you don't know who I am, but I'm calling you from Bangkok International Airport. I'm wondering if you and your wife can come and meet with me for an hour and 15 minutes before I catch my next flight on going. And I said, and what is the purpose of your call and what is the purpose of your meeting? He said, well, I've researched who you are and I know where you're working. And I was, uh-oh, CIA, FBI, some other country. I know where you work. And I said, please, you gotta make it better than that. He said, we work for the same person my spirit. We work for the same person. And I said, are you part of the family? He said, yes. Joyce and I quickly took off our house clothes and put on some going to the airport clothes and sit down and talk with him. And he must have asked us about 30 questions, maybe 35 questions. He never told me anything about himself. And I said, you know, gotta be careful. Sometimes we entertain angels unawares. And he asked me all that, and then he says, Thank you very much for being with me. I'm on my way. And I said, that's it. He said, for now. Three and a half months later, I get another phone call. Pastor David, is it possible for, to meet you and your wife for dinner down at the loft? I said, that'll be good. He said, very well. He said, I have a colleague with me. His assistant. Went down, and he said, now I want you to tell this man what you told me at the airport first time. Like it wasn't quite coming together the way I wanted to. So finally, they said, thank you very much. And I said, Joyce, I said, that's a dry hall. Maybe we can go fishing that one. 
so true. Went home and I said, I, I don't know what to talk about. About three and a half months after that, I got another phone call. Pastor David, that building you told me about in Laos, can I go see it? I said, do you have a visa to go there? No. He said, can you take me on a tour? I'll be a tourist for a couple of days. We went in. This is what we showed him. Got in there. Started walking around. And he popped around the corner. And I was trying to mind my own business by now, because I didn't know who he was or where he came from. All I knew was he was part of the family. And by the way, one of his mentors is Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. So Pastor Peter Grimes shared it with you a few times. Joyce and I were over on the side, and I'm watching this guy from like, a little bit far away. And you guys that are in construction, you know these old cement mixers, the gas-operated ones, the uh, uh, one-bag mix? The guy is over. He's over standing up on side of it. It was all crusty. It was full cement and, and stuck on. And he's over standing up. He's looking at the thing and, and his tears come down his face. I've never seen anybody get emotional about a cement mixture one before. <laughs> and I said, uh, are you okay? Yeah, he said, I'm feeling a little emotional challenge right now. And I thought, emotional challenge. The spirit of God is moving. Went back to the room. He said, I said, we're going to have dinner tonight. He said, come a little later. He said, maybe 6.30, 7 o'clock. He said, I, I, I just need some time to think. So finally, we went over. And he said, um, how much money do you owe on that place? I said, $57,000. He said, okay. He said, I'll see what I can do. So two weeks later, I get an email. You're Pastor Mayden. Uh, I found the $57,000. Or I got the $57,000. I said, thank you very much. I went back to him. And he asked the question, where do we send it? I said, send it to Thailand. And we got ways to sneak it across the border and get it over and get it into the right place because we're not upset at money. So we have a, a bank account set up on the board. We gave the ATM to Pastor David. He says, here, you can go and withdraw the money as you need. I wrote back to him said, thank you very much. Greatly appreciated. May you and your family be highly blessed and highly favored. I'll continue to give you reports. He writes back, oh no, it's not me. I didn't give the money. He said, my brother has a construction company in the U.S. and it's grown quite large. And he started off his construction company with three of those one-bag mix cement mixers. <laughs> I've never seen a cement mixer give a man such an emotional and spiritual spirit in my life before. <laughs> Our God knows what he's doing. Well, I want to show you something. We were asked to go for the official opening on February the 2nd. And go for the opening of Pastor David and some of his children and the team. <clears throat> Pastor David, bring more greetings. I was asked to share a Thanksgiving and a prayer of dedication. And when you go home today, if you would like to, you can open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. It goes to 222 on the, the 2nd February 2019. It's symbolic and significant to a training uh, center. 
the Waffle Committee offered a traditional Thanksgiving, cutting up the ribbon. All those who participated helped us. And inside, beautiful area. If I told you how much it cost, as to put it there, you would all say, can we get these guys to go over and build our houses first over here? Folks, God does things the way he wants to do them. And we sang in that service, how great thou art unto God be the glory. Yes. Special hope and appreciation for all of those who helped us see the project through. Pastor David expresses special thanks to Reverend Joyce for helping to keep the project on staff and keep the books in order and keep the finances in shape. It was a, a great day. People gathered around. Pastor David donated his family property to the cause. And we shared Thanksgiving to him. He shared his passion and his vision for the country of Laos. Right now, there are 450 underground churches and this training center, <coughs> excuse me, and I told you last year that we are not allowed to register with the Department of Religious Affairs because there's no such thing in Laos. But we're registered with the Department of Agriculture and that process and applications all in place and going to be registered with the Department of Agriculture and it's going to be the center for teaching the principles of sowing and reaping.
Christ has accomplished everything for us. And there is nothing outside of the cross of Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says, For I have received of the Lord, that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke the bread and said, Take eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do, in remembrance of me. If you need a miracle, take this bread and claim your healing now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you like to thank him for your healing this morning? Thank him for that miracle in your life. Hallelujah. Thank you. By your stripes we were healed. Hallelujah. 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 After the same manner he took the cup. He said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as often as you will drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you will eat this bread and drink this cup, you will proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Let's partake of the cup together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Give me praise. Hallelujah. 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 Always claim that now through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's sing it again. 